Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. This is Trevor Young, author of Content Marketing for PR, How to Build Brand Visibility, Influence and Trust in Today's Social Age. And you are listening to The Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to The Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which was named by Forbes as one of 11 smart podcasts that will keep you in the know, and named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you are a listener, to the Marketing Book Podcast, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or some other helpful resource that I know of for whatever you need to learn more about, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll do my best to point you in the right direction. I produce this podcast to help me and my listeners keep up with the latest ideas in the quickly changing world of marketing and sales in order to remain successful. My day job is running a marketing agency that helps manufacturers and industrial companies to become better known, liked, and trusted in this modern era of the customer who doesn't want to be marketed or sold to. To learn more about the problems we solve, visit salesartillery.com. And now, on with the show. Today, we welcome Trevor Young to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his book, Content Marketing for PR, How to Build Brand Visibility, Influence, and Trust in Today's Social Age. Trevor Young, also known as the PR Warrior, is a public relations and communication strategist based in Melbourne, Australia, a former journalist with a long track record in traditional PR. Trevor has worked as a senior consultant with a number of global PR consultancies, and he's established and run his own agencies. And more recently, he was director of strategy and innovation for Edelman, Australia. His PR Warrior blog has been listed by both Smart Company and Search Engine Journal as one of Australia's top business blogs. And these days, Trevor heads up Digital Citizen, a consulting training and media business that helps brands gain a competitive edge in the marketplace through the use of digital storytelling and content-led communications. And interesting fact, he once had lunch with one of Australia's most notorious criminals, who was also a best-selling author. Trevor, congratulations on content marketing for PR and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you, Douglas. Uh, lovely to be here. So I uh, don't think that any of the authors I have interviewed have gone to prison, but uh, you know, maybe a few of them may one day. But that's uh, that's very exciting that you uh, had lunch with one of Australia's most notorious criminals. Is that something you do often, Trevor? <laughs> no, not really. It was part of a. Uh, he was, um, a, a, if you, I'm using air quotes here, a brand ambassador for. He was in some ads for a, a sunglass company, and uh, we were doing the PR for that uh, for that brand. Oh, I see. And did you t- did you meet him before he went to prison? Before, <laughs> or did you did you go to the prison and have lunch with him in the canteen? <laughs> no. He was out. He'd been out for a little while. Uh, he'd spent a lot of his time in jail, but he was out and uh, a free man, and he was an author and, uh, and, and, and just living his life. I see. Okay. Well, you know, you just makes you more uh, likely to be the most interesting, <laughs> interesting man in the world. So. <laughs> it was an interesting lunch, but I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Well, listen, I want to start with a couple of quotes uh, from the beginning of the book, and you say – This book is for anyone who needs to get a story and a message out there. For example, you might be the owner of a growing business, a startup entrepreneur, or a managing partner in a professional services practice. You might lead a charity or a nonprofit and have a cause or issue you need to build advocacy around. You might be a public relations and communications practitioner looking for an edge in your day-to-day work. Or you might just want to get your own story out there. You are the brand. 
your business is based on your reputation and the trust people have in your personal brand. And then there's another excerpt where you say, this book is essentially about getting the foundational elements right first before jumping headfirst into pitch mode. Too many businesses blindly focus on the sale. In other words, it's all about them and their products and services. That's all well and good, but it doesn't wash with consumers today. These days, the future belongs to those companies and organizations that take a genuine audience-first approach and that value human connection over commerce. Understanding the latter is often a byproduct of the former. They understand that a key part of marketing today is about leveraging the power of social media and online publishing platforms to be useful, helpful, relevant, and informative to the people who matter most to the success of their business, cause, or issue. So, Trevor Young, why should someone read your book, and why should someone not read your book? <laughs> well, um, you add that in because that was part of the part of the uh, the. Open- I was yeah, doing myself out of sales. If people open the book and say, "Why should? Why is he telling me I shouldn't read the book?" I thought um, it was brilliant, and your my trust in you <laughs> soared when you said, "Hey, this book's not a fit for everybody." But uh, well, why don't you start with that one? Why should someone not read your book? I loved it. Yeah, well, I think um, that if, you know, there are types of uh, people and entrepreneurs and that who want to, they want silver bullet solutions um, to marketing issues. And as we know, uh, you know, marketing is is a tough game at the best of times. It's getting harder and harder for, for multitudes of reasons. And and I don't believe there's a silver bullet solution and a one size fits all. And uh, sometimes I think if people are after that quick fix, they'll, you know, if they read this book, they'll get disappointed because it's not the quick fix. It's more for people that want to uh, build, um, are more interested in sustainable and meaningful um, communications and to build a brand and a reputation that is sustainable. Agreed. And I think the people who won't like your book are also the people who want to take a pill and lose 100 pounds overnight. I I don't know that that exists, but I see the equivalent of it being advertised all the time. <laughs> So, the very same. The very yes, same. Yes. Well, okay. So, why should someone read your book then? Um, okay. There's another. There's a couple of reasons there. I think if you're wanting to, again, depending on which part of the audience you are, and um, you know whether you're within the game or whether you're more of an entrepreneur and um, or, or a, you know you run a personal brand based business. Um, I, I think it's it's good to get all the information. I'm, I'm about developing a philosophy around this space generally, and and I think to do that you've you've got to look at a, a number of different books and ideas and and start finding what's going to work for you because every brand uh, is unique. It's got their own unique goals, their own their own people, their own way of doing things. And, and so what worked for brand A might not work for brand B. So to take in the information and to work out what can I do with this? Um, is this a, a way that I want to go philosophically? Am I aligned with this way of thinking? And, and by doing that, you, you sort of then start to develop this philosophy of what's going to work for you. Because if you try and jump from, you know, solution to solution to solution, um, it's really, as you know, it's really easy to do a lot of stuff in this space. Uh, but that you can't do everything. So I think that if people sort of read this, and particularly, I guess, if you're, uh, and I make the distinction, we'll probably cover it a little bit with content marketing for PR versus inbound marketing. Mm-hmm. If you think that content marketing and you've really been going down the inbound marketing side of things and you just think that that might not be for, for my brand, but you want to do content and social, then this is, I think, a bookend to that. Right, right. And you've got several reasons on there, and you touched on a number of them, but one of them, you said, this book is for you if you are sick of all the noise and hype surrounding content marketing That's and it. social media. So PR, public relations, it's one of those words that means something different to everyone that hears it. So Trevor Young, what the heck is PR? Um, I won't give you an um, academic-sounding theoretical definition because that won't help anyone. Let me interrupt, Trevor, for one second. There are a bunch of definitions. Let's talk about Trevor Young's definition. 
That's right. I don't, I'm, I'm going to go down mine and I keep it pretty simple. How can we uh, deepen the level of connection we have with the people who matter the most to the success of our business, our cause or our issue? Remember, not everyone in this game is um, in business. They might have a cause or an issue that they're pushing as well. Yes. Yeah, so when I started out years ago, the PR folks were very much about media relations, getting ink from all the media gatekeepers. This was uh, before the, the internet. It was um, right after the American Civil War. No, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> the media landscape has changed dramatically. So I think there are still a lot of people that think in that old paradigm of you know begging or pitching for, for media coverage. How has PR changed as a result of this changing media landscape? Well, it has changed and it hasn't changed. So, yes, a lot of people in, in marketing think that that's what PR is. A lot of people in public relations think that that's what PR is. Um, so, it's easy for, to understand how people get um, uh, get caught up in this, but PR does not stand for press release. Um, it's a part of it and we call that media relations and usually media relations is part of a, a, a bigger, more strategic uh, community communications program. So again, if we looked at who are the people who matter the most to the success of our business or our cause of our issue, that means you've got to map out your audiences accordingly. And then how do you deepen the level of connection with them? So, I mean, I know some PR consultants who hardly ever talk to the media at all, but they've, they're very busy. <laughs> they're doing mm -hmm. so many things. So it could be as, as simple as, um, you know, who's, who's an influence in the space and go and have a coffee with them. Um, if you need to influence someone in government, do you just, you know, have a round table with a number of people? Uh, it could be um, a brand experience, setting up a brand experience zone is often falls under a PR remit. Uh, they could be writing white papers. They could be running events. They could be doing roadshows. They could be uh, leveraging a community partnership or a sponsorship. Now, media relations might come into any of those, but it, again, it's part of a bigger, a bigger thing. Now, obviously, with social now, how do you build those relationships with your customers and, and your your potential clients, uh, plus the people who influence them. I think that that's where PR also looks. Who are the influencers? And today, of course, the influencers, Douglas, aren't just the media, but they're bloggers and podcasters such as yourself, power tweeters, um, you know, people who've got a big Instagram following, potentially. Um, they're all potential influencers. So we'd kind of look at the the end audience and the influencers. The big difference today is that we had to, used to go to reach our audience, and, and I've gone through this because I've been in the game for a little while, um, we used to have to go through the gatekeepers. And yes, the gatekeepers tended to be media in those days, um, but now we can become our own media channel. doesn't mean we don't do the media relations. We don't you know, work with the gatekeepers. It just means we can now do it ourselves. And I think it just doubles the size of what a PR person can do. And I've always said that we now have the tools to do what we should have always been doing in, <laughs> That's in the right. PR game. Yes. So we're... the world finally caught up with PR. We've now got the tools that we couldn't do, you know, a lot of stuff years ago because, you know, you'd, you'd do a video and it cost you 50 grand. And now, of course, it, won't, it doesn't cost anywhere near that. That's true. And PR, like so many other things, well, particularly in marketing, it's just gotten more complicated. You know, the era of easy marketing, as Gary Vaynerchuk once said, is over. I agree. <laughs> Trevor, PR, and I don't know if you lost any friends when you wrote this in your book, but you said PR has an image problem. <laughs> what is it and why? Well, it does. Um, and, and it's kind of, I guess, perpetuated um, through... Uh, through the media, because the media only see the PR people that they deal with. So that in their minds is what PR is. And uh, Hollywood, of course, any 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 uh, any uh, PR person in a Hollywood movie is seen as, you know, slimy and, uh, you know, they don't, they don't push, push them out in the right light often. Um, but, you know, there is there is the notion of spin doctors and, and particularly around, uh, you know, government, you've got the, the spin doctors and the people, the media advisors. See, I don't call them PR people. Um, they, they might advise them on the media, but they're advising them on, a, you know, let's get this message out to this audience right now. And, they, they you know, there are some old school um, people in the game who who it's kind of like an us and them and, and, and us being 
you know, the government or the the, the organisation they represent and them being the media and by default uh, the people. And we'll spin the message to our, um, to our advantage versus, you know, strategic ongoing open two-way conversation and there's a big difference between that so there's nothing wrong with put you know putting your message out in the right light but i think that sometimes spin gets a little ridiculous and we and we know that people don't like it the the people on social media can can, can spot bull uh, i won't say it, bs a mile off and um and so if you try and spin them they they understand they understand it now they're not they're not they're not silly Trevor, as a former New York City Madison Avenue ad man, you use the word slimy like it's a bad thing. <laughs> okay. There was, um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They're not slimy, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, there was also a book and a movie from, oh, gosh, over 20 years, 20, 30 years ago called Thank You for Smoking. Uh, written by Christopher Buckley that was just hilarious. And it was about, in this instance, it was about these three people in Washington, D.C. who represented various uh, trade associations. And it was just, it, it plays right into the stereotype that you talk about. And one of them represented the tobacco industry, one represented the firearms industry, and the other one represented the distilled spirits, the liquor industry. So, uh, mm. yes, it was just, if you're a PR person, you might still get a kick, uh, a kick out of that. Or if you're a new PR person, you might see how, how things uh, might have been in the past. Now, this book, Content Marketing for PR. So here's the big question. I'm going to ask you now, and I'll come back in about 45 minutes and see how you're doing. Trevor Young, <laughs> how does content, how does content fit into the PR equation? Yeah, forty-five minutes might just about do me. <laughs> no, I loved I loved the way you did it because you talked about the human body as it related to the the yeah the yeah. L- listen, I I think there's a, there's a key here, and and it's it's what I've tried to do with the book is put put content marketing through a PR lens, um and and so. PR people have been doing content like forever and uh, because a lot of people in the game have come from journalism as well, like myself, you know, the whole storytelling um, and, and writing of content has just been part of it. So when when we're now got the opportunity to become our own media channel, of course, we're going to be out there doing it. I, probably, I think the difference is and the best way to, to sort of articulate it is that you know, if we know the inbound marketing, and you, you know, you've had a lot of guests on in the past who, who do talk about the inbound marketing side of things, and that's right for some businesses, um, and, and it's a very process-driven way of doing things, but it's not right for every business. And again, people who can use content marketing for PR might be a government agency, might be a an organisation, a member-based organisation. They're still marketing. They've still got a brand, or it might be a, you know, a, a, a a politician needs more votes. So not everyone needs that end sale. They need a, in air quotes, commercial outcome of sorts, but but it's really what's the outcome thereafter. And I think the difference is that I look at with, with content and PR is it's about building that trust and reputation. I, I, I sort of use um, the word vital and, and that stands for visibility, influence, trust, advocacy, and leadership. And they're sort of like five pillars uh, to to. to Build under your brand because today you've got to be visible. If you're not visible and top of mind, then um, you know you're going to really struggle. And PR is all about how can you become more known, like trusted, front of mind, and talked about in a positive way. So how can you use content to do all of those things? So visibility. If you can't influence people to to take a course of action, then life's going to get a little bit hard. Whatever that course of action is, trust. I think. Earned trust is the social currency of today and should be the number one thing that brands are always looking at trying to improve upon. Uh, advocacy is really building, you know, your audience of allies, supporters, enthusiasts for your brand and those people who are willingly going out and talking about you positively, going to bat for you if you're in a bit of trouble. Um, and leadership um, is where it starts getting, it's about differentiating your brand because as we know, a lot of brands now are starting to look the same. And if you look at a lot of content from an inbound marketing perspective, and I call that utility-based content, and very important because no one, no one ever went wrong being useful and helpful, um, that utility content. But if you're looking at the same avatar all the time and they've got the same pain points and challenges and fears and you're creating copy uh, content around those 
um, issues, um, which I think is a really good first place to start. But I'm starting to notice that a lot of it is becoming very samey and there's not much difference between them. So leadership is really how can I take a leadership positioning in my marketplace? Now, whether it's a knowledge leadership, a thought leadership positioning, a community leadership positioning, and how can we reinforce that? Because again, that can help differentiate your brand uh, in the marketplace and the community. Well, I want to talk about content marketing and and inbound marketing. But one thing I did want to ask before we get to that is something that still seems to surprise people when I explain it to them. And there still seems to be this impulse of, you know, no one ever got fired for buying an ad. And on page 26 of your book, you said traditional advertising is fast losing its effectiveness. Some say it's dying. I was happy to hear someone else say it because I'm the one that's been saying it. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm the former ad guy. Trust me, that stuff used to work. It doesn't. What, why do you Why do you say, or what do you explain uh, when you say that traditional advertising is losing its effectiveness and it's, could, you could argue it's starting to die? Yeah, it's um, a couple of things with it. I, I, and I'm not saying don't use paid at all. Um, I just think it's how, when, when, when I see brands default to the paid just First and foremost, I'm a believer that PR can and, and content there as a part of PR can help build the base in advance of, of the advertising and making it work harder. Well, you, you're spending more money, let's face it, ad rates don't go down. You're spending more money reaching a smaller audience that's splintered into smithereens that don't care and are blocking you. So that you're interrupting people. They don't want to be interrupted. And they don't trust advertising. And they don't trust it, and they're in, it's a hard gig. Make no bones about it; it's it's really hard, and and you can't just default to that anymore um, because and 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 where I see PR, and then therefore by default content marketing for PR being able to help is that if you've built that brand that people know, they like, they trust, you're front of mind with your target audience, and that and you're being talked about in a positive way in the marketplace. Then when you advertise, at least people know you. At least there's this affinity with you. But if you just do cold, how many times are you even at a Facebook level you see ads come out from people? And I've never heard of you. You're just interrupting me. What's going on? And, no and, way. And every, <laughs> I know. Hard to believe, isn't it? But imagine if you've been creating content and, and you've built that sort of brand and reputation in advance, and then the ad hits, then you might take even take notice if, you, oh, this is an interesting brand or, you know, this is something that I'm interested in. These guys seem to be doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've so, heard of them, yeah. Yeah, so at least that's top of mind. I mean, it's 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 really hard, and I just think the default position today, straight to advertising. Again, every brand's different, so I have to generalise here. There are you know FMCG and that where probably the advertising is probably the most effective, but ultimately, um, ultimately though, if if that's your default, I just think it's going to get a lot. Hard. It's not going to get easier. It's not going to get easier. You're going to spend more money and you're going to splinter your message more times to reach an audience that's utterly fragmented who don't care about you and they're blocking you anyway. Amen, Brother Trevor. And let me tell you something. If traditional advertising still worked, the Marketing Book Podcast host would still be doing it. So (laughs) think about Mm. that. So let's talk about... Okay, content marketing. Explain what content marketing is and and, and inbound marketing. and. I guess more importantly to me, why did you feel compelled to explain the difference? Um, well, my my definition of content marketing is really about creating and publishing in, in a strategic way, creating and publishing and amplifying content that's of interest and relevance and value to a specific audience with the ultimate goal of influencing a desired outcome. That's what I mentioned earlier. Whereas with with Inbound marketing, it's very much about the, the lead and the sale. And that's the focus from the get-go. My thing, and the funnel, that whole thing. My thing is a little bit, what about before the funnel? What about, I think trust and reputation are the two key drivers today uh, of, of uh, are two key drivers of commerce. And, and, and in a world where we, you know, consumers aren't trusting, um, then having a reputation that, that is trusted is is like putting a moat around your brand. 
and and between you and your competitors and but you can't buy that you have to earn it you have to earn it over time and you have to reinforce it and keep it um, and maintain that reputation so that's the hard part but we want to you know we want to do business with with brands we we trust and and that have got a a trusted reputation and so i think that if content marketing can do that and i might talk in a minute about what i call leadership content but if 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 we can, it, it's not again. It's not an either or, and it depends on the type of business you run. But there, it's almost, and again, it's part of your philosophy. But I know that you know there are some businesses, and the, the funnel's not working for them. But if they build a thought leadership positioning in the marketplace, they get leads, and then then they get sales. Uh, I know of one big brand in Australia that they they measure brand love because they know that um, when they when they do their research, and this is a very big brand, when they do their research and they and that brand love score goes up, then they make more sales. There's a correlation. And so how can you then use content to build that brand love score? Uh, score? So it's, it's really what are the things that lead to the sale versus necess- and pave the way in advance of. And I don't think we talk about that as often because it often gets down to, the leads and sales at the end. And yes, we know that. Yes. But what are the forerunners to that being known, like trusted, front of mind and talked about in a positive way are forerunners and tr- having a trusted reputation? Again, that's my philosophy. Um, not everyone agrees with that. And and ultimately, it, it, it does depend on your type of, of business as well. Well, it seems like there's a fair amount of overlap between inbound marketing, content marketing. And for somebody who's listening to this, they may think that these are two guys that are uh, splitting hairs, but yeah, fickle. I could understand what you're you're talking about. And what what made me want to ask that question is: Do you find a lot of confusion between the two, or do people who talk to you think, "Oh, you're an inbound marketing guy," or "Oh, you know, is is that the problem?" Yeah, it's a good question, and it it's true. And it did, this didn't just dawn on me. This has happened over a period of time that I was starting to get frustrated, even just with the conversation around content marketing, because I'd read read everything possible, and virtually everything that I read, ninety five percent, was very much focused on inbound marketing. We had SEO people writing it. We've had SEO people writing about PR. I mean, you know, it's it's. It was, it was just so much noise and over a period of time, it was becoming very obvious to me that, hang on, we've been doing content for a very long time, but we do it in a, in a different way. And yes, there are, absolutely there are overlap. There's overlap in every part of marketing today, Douglas. Yeah. Um, and, and there is overlap and there's no doubt about that. But the distinctions I make, if, if I might talk about, I talked about the utility content and, and where inbound marketers are really focused on those pain points and they zero in on those pain points and those challenges and the most frequently asked questions and the information gaps people have. And I think that's a really great place to start. And, and, and a truism across both content marketing for inbound and PR is, is um, you know, know your audience and understand your audience. So that's where there is certainly overlaps and truisms. But the thing with, with that is that over a period of time, you get that out of the road. If, you, you know, I work with some clients and, you know, we work up, I was working with one the other day and they had three avatars. We, we still go through that. And there was probably 50 to 60 real big issues for them, um, quite challenging issues that they had. And we're now doing a video for each one of those. So that's, that's your baseline. Just get that out of the road. That's where everyone's, they, most businesses won't even do that. So if you do that, you're already in front of your competitor. But that's just the starting point. Your next layer up is what I call leadership content. And this is where it starts to this is this is where it starts veering more towards a PR route. And your leadership content is it's more bigger picture, it's more thought provoking, uh, it's maybe trends driven. It's it's actually not something that um, consumers or people or your audience are actually actually know about potentially they don't people don't know what they don't know and sometimes you know you're not helping them with an, a problem or an issue you might be provoking thought or trying to change the way they think about a topic or an issue you might be actually metaphorically poking them in the eye and so that's not an inbound marketing thing so I look the classic example of this is Seth Godin mm-hmm. now Seth Seth's one of the best bloggers 
going has for, for many, many years. He's not sitting there answering people's questions. He's poking and prodding and, and changing the way you think about a topic. And so there's a lot of, you know, the Edelman Trust Barometer to me is a classic leadership content play because it elevates them out of out of the norm of other PR firms and, and you, has heavy research that they can use. So the Edelman Trust Barometer is a, is a great example. Um, even in consumer land, it's in, in Australia, we have a, a company that makes wallets, um, really good wallets called Bellroy. And they publish an online magazine called Carryology. And that's about all things carry. Um, so they've sort of created this term carry. So wallets, bags, luggage, that side of things. Do you know what they do in this online publication, Douglas? They promote the heck out of their competitors. Oh, really? Interesting. So, well, it gives them more credibility, I would think. Heaps of credibility, you know, like heaps of credibility. Uh, I know you've had Marcus Sheridan on in the past, and he, you know, uh, uh, and uh, no, he's well. Of, and, yeah, yeah, and and his was, and he's very much the utility content, right? Really much, but he he also um, mentions his competitors as well in the past. He's done that, but this is he does this it on is, his website. Um, he has. I love that. I think example. it's smart. I even did, we even did it on ours. Yeah. If you're looking for a marketing firm in our area, you type in the the region and marketing firms. We're the first on Google, and <laughs> there's 60 firms on there. But yet we're dominating. Uh, but we're being utility. We're it's, being helpful. Right. Yeah. And what he did was he said, uh, well, he vowed to answer every question he ever got from a customer. Mm. And they once said, Marcus, we like you, but if we didn't hire you, who are the other? pool firms here in Richmond, Virginia. And he said, oh, man, I don't want to answer that. But now if you type in Richmond, Virginia pool companies, guess who's first in Google? <laughs> That's right. I think it's it's smart. With Bellroy, it's a little different because they're, they're looking at the whole carry, you know, the, the whole um, category of carry mm-hmm. and wallets and bags. So if you're interested in really good wallets, you're probably interested in great backpacks and courier bags and that sort of stuff So and luggage. So by promoting the bigger uh, the bigger category, they seem to be a leader in part of that. And so they're growing the pie and they're part of the pie. So they grow with it. So right. it's a really smart, uh, if counterintuitive, look at stuff. So that's sort of, I would call that leadership from a consumer brand. But when you do then start get into more the, the B2B or the, you know, like the Edelman Trust Barometer or, you know, Mary Meeker's Internet Trends document it was, is a classic example. But it's, it's not just, you know, it's not just, um, you know, big research type things. Patagonia talks about, you know, they use their voice um, and, and their audience to, to advance the, the climate crisis issue. Mm-hmm. That to me is that is a leadership um, content play, and so uh, uh, that's, this is where it, it starts becoming different because this is really what PR people have always done: is that they, if there is an issue that a, a brand is behind, then now you can use content become your own your own content um, your own media channel to advance that cause if you're a brand that has a cause or an issue that you want to get out there as well so there's sort of like a, that there's, there's some of the little bit of difference the other the other um, sphere it's sort of like four concentric circles so utility content leadership content then I have what I call corporate content it's a really lousy word but I haven't got any other it, it works for bigger organizations but not so much for the for the little guy but if you look at corporate content every major organization puts out press releases whether those press releases work or not it's another matter um, they do the rounds of the organization 20 people chip in the the, the, public, the the press release is pretty much rendered meaningless by the time it gets to the media. <laughs> yes. uh, and then once legal's had a crack at it, then all the story has been taken out of it. I'm, I'm being a little facetious there. But but the fact of the matter is that you you will never stop a major organisation putting out press releases and it's archived. And if you're a public company, you have to do that anyway. And you've put out press release, we're doing this, we just announced this, whatever, put it out there, do whatever you have to do, but then use content to tell the story behind the story. You know, if you've got a new product, that, you know, the press release will be out there championing it and the ad will be out there doing whatever. Spend a little bit of time maybe doing some interviews with the product designer, for example. Take people behind the scenes of the business. Take people behind the public face of the business. Again, how do you build trust? Transparency. 
We want to see people. We want to see the whites of their eyes. We want to see the leaders out there on social channels. I have a friend, a PR practitioner, and she was telling me, it was just earlier this year, she said uh, she does all these all these things that are in the book. But there's like the a few people on the board of directors, I guess you could say they're sort of old school. And the only thing they want to know about is was there a news was there a news release was there a, a press release so pretty quickly she she would she has yes she she puts a press release out that's the only thing they want to know <laughs> meanwhile she's off doing all these other things it's like she's sneaking effective pr <laughs> into the organization but yes Yes, sir. I checked that box. We did, in fact, have a news release. That's oh, great. You're not, you're not going to win that battle. You're not going to win that battle. And and uh, just going back on that, that leadership content a bit, Just it's not just big organizations, but um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Mark Schaefer, uh, you know, terrific author, just love his blog, love his work, always have. And, you know, if you look back at the uh, one article that people might remember is the content shock article, yes. right? So, you know, when I said before about poking people in the eye and prodding them and thought-provoking them, that wasn't an easy read if you're a marketer. That wasn't an easy read. Like, that was that was, that was was like being smacked in the face with a dead fish. And so, he's not sitting there looking at their pain points. This was, a, 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 this was an issue that was nagging him and he got it out there and it went absolutely nuts and did, you know, it, it does a lot for him. He's not sitting there looking at trying to shove people down a funnel. He's putting out content that differentiates him in the marketplace. He's putting out content that stimulates conversation and ignites debate. And by default, he is seen to be leading that debate and that helps build his reputation as a thought leader. So I just wanted to make that distinction because, yes, the big organisations can do it and do do it. You know, your IBMs, they all um, – GE is a classic example. GE is fantastic for taking people behind the scenes mm-hmm. of the organisation, just doing some brilliant stuff across their social channels and for such a major, major – um, far-flung organization. And that, to me, is the content marketing for PR because yes. it's, it's it's ticking PR boxes about, you know, those visibility, influence, are we building trust, advocacy, employee advocacy too. The other thing is if you want to become an employee brand or an employer of choice, um, then that's that's what PR does as well. So there's no, there's no right or wrong. There's lots of grey and... Neng sort of sort of see if you start developing your own philosophy around this stuff, um, it, you start working through a path of what's noise and what's not. Yes, and you as it relates to corporate content, Trevor Young, you made me laugh uh, in this book. There was this one quote I just loved. He said uh, on page ninety-seven. So I, I, he really did say this: Progressive PR practitioners need to transform the corporate content from the typically chest-beating crap it probably is into something that has the potential to engage the audience. And then I think if I were going to make a joke, I would probably mark that and say, Trevor, you say chest-beating crap like it's a bad thing, just like Slimey earlier <laughs> in the interview. But you know, you talk, uh, you, you mentioned Mark Schaefer, and he is the king of the Marketing Book Podcast. He's been on more than anyone else. And I say king uh, in an Elvis way, not in a you know, British monarchy way. <laughs> but that article he wrote, which I think was in January 2014, and when you're the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, you remember really useless trivia like that. It's taking up such a hard drive space <laughs> in my brain that I can't remember the names of, of uh, friends and, and relatives. But he got over a thousand blog comments off of that article about content shock. And yeah. he it then... It, He's he's on you know he's like a uh, when he writes a book he's like a blues brothers on a mission from God he won't rest until he figures something out and writes a book about it that led to the book uh, the content code and I wanted to ask you about the importance of amplifying the content you publish explain what that is and what puzzles me is why it's still so overlooked in other words publishing content is really the starting gun. But so yeah, many is. organizations think it's the finish line. Yeah, and, and the thing is, if you're doing really good content, you want to get the value out of it. You want to extract it. So there's two parts to that. There is one is getting the content out there and amplified, and there are multitudes of ways of doing it, and we won't have time to go through them all. But I think on one hand, if you've got 
you know, some chunky content, um, how do you repurpose that and lead people back to the bigger stuff? Um, you know, that's 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 not news, but it's a lot of people don't do it. And um, and because it takes effort, you know, if you're going to do a podcast or a video series or a white, you know, if you could do a white paper, for example, yes, do the written white paper and then take the chunks out of it and, and spread it all out. That's probably 50 bits of co- um, content for social media. Why not do an audio version of the white paper? Let people listen to it. Why not do a series of videos interviewing the authors of the white paper and taking us behind the story of the white paper, for example. So even in your planning, you can do things differently as well as repurposing. So you can add value, add another dimension and add value, but that gives you other things to promote. And then that's when paid amplification comes in. If you're building your organic um, reach, and you've got an engaged audience of people who, who really like you, again, that's a more sustainable way. It's no, not either or. It's that combination of things. Yes. Was there one person in the book here who was talking about you should spend like 80% of your time? You said there's a, a continuum, but somebody who said yeah. you should spend 80% of your time promoting the content, meaning yes. take whatever time it takes to produce it, but the uh, the really effective content marketers pay more and more attention to getting it out there, even if you have to use some paid to uh, to Correct. promote it. But um, I think people don't realize that, you know, if you build it, they won't come. There, there's so much more that you have to do now to get it, uh, get it found. Well, speaking of that, uh, talk about why blogging is so important. I mean, come on, Trevor Young, isn't that kind of passe? Isn't that on the outs? I mean, seriously, you said that your blog should become the heart of your online content efforts. Explain that. Your digital heart. I I call blogging the traditional social media. (laughs) It's like traditional media, but it's been around for so long. Uh, And it it feels a little old hat, doesn't it? I mean, even the word blog is just, you know. What's the problem with the the word blog? (laughs) I really try to avoid using it because it seems to make people think it's, I don't know, grown men uh, living in their mother's basement wearing pajamas and (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Uh, if I'm talking with corporates, I tend to say a content hub, dynamic content hub. Yeah. Um, but but there's a big difference. And, and, and um, I think I look at if your kind of your website is kind of like your suit and tie, and that's your more button down part of your image, you can let loose a little bit and take the tie and the jacket off when you're uh, writing your blog. And it, it, it allows people to go behind the scenes a little bit. So we talked a bit before about, I'm just trying to think what we did talk about. I'm, I'm going to backtrack on that we took but the thing is that it allows you to go the behind the, the scenes a little oh, bit yeah. it, it allows the ceo to drop in and, and do a story if you've got a story in you know if they do a, an opinion piece in a magazine or a or a, a newspaper they can drop back in and, and you know you can repurpose it and uh, and rewrite it for the blog um, but a blog can also be quite handy if we look at Crisis management, for example, if you've already got a blog that's up and running and it's got an audience and you've got, you know, a bit of SEO juice and things are are pumping for it and it's your uh, repository of all your good content, then, then, um, you know, when when the brand stuff hits the fan, as it sometimes will, then you're in a better position than those that haven't got a blog. So an example I give in the book is is Buffer. Now, Buffer is one of the earlier social media scheduling tools. And what's the worst thing that can happen to a social media scheduling tool? It gets hijacked or hacked mm-hmm. and starts sending out on, on behalf of its clients, not just Buffer, but Buffer's clients, big companies. Um, I think it, they were diet like, spammy diet pill promotions, then that's probably the worst position that a a social scheduling tool can be in. Mm -hmm. And because Buff has been one of the best that I've ever seen at content marketing, um, they they already had, you know, this enthused audience and and they had a blog that was really operating. So the moment that that crisis hit them, um, uh, Joel Gascoigne, the um, CEO, was, was on the front foot he said, this is the issue we're facing. He blogged about it. He kept updating the blog. They were updating people in on the back channels as well. But the blog was the main piece where everything happened. And they were, bang, we're on this. We're fixing this. Uh, three hours later, we're doing this. And so they used it in real time. And that became the place where everyone went to, to find out what the issue was. And, the, and the, the main thing is now is that they came out of that stronger, whereas that would have knocked most brands 
you know, into oblivion. They came through that stronger. And, and when I when I Googled it, his story came up the first. When I, you know, Googled uh, buffer hacking or whatever it was, his article on the blog came up number one. And a lot of the other blog posts uh, were about how well um, that I found on Google, uh, how well Buffer had handled that issue. And so that's an example, and there are a couple of others, but that's an example of by having that blog that you've been building, it's a mindset as well that you're putting all that content through and, and you know, you're, you're, um, you're continuing to update people. So it can work in a, in a crisis management, but, um, you know, as Mark Schaefer will attest, blogging's probably been the number one thing for him because that's the starting point for everything else. Yes, you know, and for uh, David Merriman Scott as well, who I just recently absolutely, interviewed. absolutely. So it's it's kind of, but it's also the mindset. If you want to share and connect with your audience, a blog is a really good place to start because you can tell your stories, you can take people behind the scenes, you can add video and add your audio, and it's it's a combination of everything. But that's what I was going to say before we went back to press releases and that side of things. Bigger companies have uh, digital newsrooms. Mm-hmm. And I think a blog plus a digital newsroom is a really good combination because you can put all your, you know, your media releases and all that's all your other stories and your more buttoned down stuff in your digital newsroom, but use your blog to tell your more human stories and to take right. people behind the seats a little bit more. So that's that was kind of what I was trying to get at, the, the, the differences between the two. Again, either or, they work better in combination. Well, and also you own – the content on your blog, and you go into great detail explaining why you know, the pros and cons of building a house on rented land, putting things on social media, but you own that uh, blog content. And uh, I just love the the term, it's the digital heart of your online content efforts. And I, I'm a big believer, but you know, uh, blogging works really well, and so does email <laughs> marketing but they're not the hottest they're they're, they don't seem as cool as uh whatever the kids are following these days like tiktok or something but the blog is a wonderful explanation of why it's so important and i appreciate you stating it because i almost wonder if a lot of people think oh everyone understands that but but no but let's move on to a couple other things that i just think are so important for folks to understand talk about the benefits of using video and maybe why more organizations aren't using it yeah, I mean, video helps you see the whites of their eyes, doesn't it? And again, getting your leadership out there, getting your experts. Um, if you look at the Edelman Trust Barometer and for year upon year upon year, the most trusted sources of information and the most credible sources of information from a company or an organisation are internal company experts or external um, independent third-party experts like academics. So can you bring them into the fold? Can you use video to bring them to life a little bit more and get them out of the shadows of the of the cubicle? Conversely, the CEO has never been really a trusted source of information, although they're faring better in recent years than they have been previously. But that means you've got to double down to get them out there. And video just helps build that trust, I think. Again, I'm a massive podcasting fan. I'm a written word fan, and I really love um, um, video. Uh, a friend of mine, and the other day, she did a uh, a, a poll on LinkedIn. Um, I think she got about five hundred and something responses. What what? How do people like? What sort of content format do they like looking at on LinkedIn? And by far, by far, was the written word like seventy percent con- compared to video, which was about 20 percent. Oh, really? Which was really interesting. interesting. It was yeah. a really interesting, and she's got a lot of publicity over that. Now, it's not massive, robust research but it really is a is a little uh, a little signal that okay well we do hurtle straight and I, I i'm as guilty as anyone we hurtle straight to video 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 but there's room for you know the humble written word and uh but but i think video needs to be part of because some people like video some people will take the information in written words so i think if you look at your audience they they take information in they consume information and content in different ways and i think video but again that you can break video down in a million ways you've got the the big budget yes actually trevor i want you to go even further there because there was an interesting part in the book where you talk about these corporate very you know somewhat slickly produced uh ceo videos 
and didn't get much traffic, didn't get many views. And yet, like two guys from the same company went off to a conference and used their iPhones yeah. to record what they were finding and learning. Massive followership. It just yeah, seemed like it was more believable. It was, uh, but, but an interesting contrast there. I think people are a little less uh, trustful of these uh, sort of talking head into the teleprompter type, type things instead of somebody just sitting at their desk holding an iPhone up explaining something. 100%. I'm a big believer in that. I mean, there's room to do the on-the-fly sort of video sort of stuff um, and, and, and the in-the-moment and even, gosh, live stream. Yeah, and don't, you, you don't, refer to that as him. social reporting. <laughs> Yeah, I think that well, social reporting really means if you if you think about it, you're a big organisation. You embedded a in quotes journalist. They don't have to be a journalist, but someone who has journalistic capability and story can uncover a story, and they're actually telling the stories of the organisation across social media and live streaming and and photos and videos and all of that sort of stuff. Then that's that's that's. That just all of a sudden elevates your business in terms of getting some interesting stuff out there, and that's really great for you know employees, potential employees. Uh, it ta- you've got to have a, a, a mindset of being wanting to connect with your audience, wanting to be open and and transparent. It doesn't mean you take people into the you know into the the war room where you're you're designing a new product for for release, but it just means that we. I mean, we have a we have a. Uh, Four really big banks. Our our financial services in Australia are dominated by four big banks, and one is the ANZ. And Shane Elliott is the CEO of the ANZ. So you imagine them. You know, they employ fifty thousand people. It's a, it's a it's not as big as the American banks, but very very big anyway. And he uses social media. He's got a Facebook page. Uh, he's big on. He loves Twitter. He takes people behind the scenes. We're on the tram going to a uh, going to a meeting. Uh, I'm I'm in the I'm out there, out and about uh, in the the suburban branches. I've just met a young guy whose whose father was in the bank and his grandfather was in the bank, that sort of thing. And he's just humanising, um, you know, as a leader, he's humanising the bank, what he does, and taking people behind the scenes a little bit. And that's that's kind of like that social reporting type thing, that in the moment. And sometimes the videos can be really good like that. I've seen uh, Shane do videos and he's wearing these daggy clothes and he's wearing a pink T-shirt because they had an internal event to launch um, something, a new initiative. And then he just just pops up in front of the camera, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's pretty noisy around him, but it's that in the moment that really works. So there's times to do that. There's times if you're going to do a roadshow, you need to video that's going to be a little more polished and schmick mm-hmm. and there's everything in between and I think we've got it again we've got this in our arsenal how do we put all of these great tools to, how do we how do we use these great tools to get our story out there and our message but in a way that's interesting and human and we, that we can connect and resonate with people just a couple more things I want to ask you about that I just know the listeners are going to find helpful is uh, and again, we're not doing justice to it. Full disclosure, there's lots here. It's 360 pages. The thing I want to ask about is search engine optimization or SEO. Yep. And it's been a mainstay of digital marketing, but only in more recent times have we seen SEO, as you say, snuggle up to the discipline of public relations. What are mm-hmm. the elements of PR and SEO that are jointly affected by the content you produce? Right. So, well, when it comes Mr. SEO and PR, um, particularly, I'm starting to see a little bit in the US, but very much in the UK, we have PR firms that are buying SEO companies. And SEO, when it comes to PR, is that earned media. So if you get a backlink, uh, you get a story up in BBC, CNN, New York Times, or a, or a university or, a, or a, um, you know, a .edu, and that link goes back to your website or your content, then that's that's very much what it, that's the PR and S, that's where SEO and PR work together, and we're seeing there's a bit of movement on that front. Again, that's if that's right for your business. The other part of it is SEO for reputational. So in digital marketing, you might have I'm, I'm going to be doing this at a really basic level, but um, you know if you want to if you're a dog walker in I don't know, a part of Chicago, um, I could say some obscure 
uh, Australian town and won't mean anything. Uh, but you're a, you 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 in a part of Chicago. You're a dog walker, and you know you've you've got all your SEO keywords of you know Chicago dog walking. You know this suburb, et cetera, et cetera. Then that's that digital marketing side. And then what are the keywords and what are people searching for? So the content marketing for PR doesn't go near that. That's the, you, you do that anyway if that's right for your business. But if you, going back to that leadership side of things, if you are wanting to put some reputational flags in the ground, what do you want to be known for as a business, as a brand, and put those flags in the ground uh, on those topics and those issues um, that are really important to your business and the industry in which you operate in and maybe the, the community in which you operate in. Then if you're doing that, then you can do SEO around those terms as well because that means also what about when journalists are trying to find experts in a space and this is where they it snuggles up using that word snuggles up, uh, that phrase, uh, snuggles up to the media side of things. There's less journos now. They, they're putting out more content than ever before quickly they have to move they need trusted source and credible sources of information and obviously google is often their friend now twitter's often their friend as well but google is their friend and so they're doing a lot more desk research so if you come up as an expert in your space around certain key issues then you might elevate yourself to the top of their list and so there's that side of things um, I, I know of people that have blogged. Uh, a good friend of mine, he's in the the accounting, uh, sorry, the law side of things, but the financial law. And he once wrote uh, on an issue. Um, he put it out there. Uh, he blogged about it, and then four trade journals picked it up. Now I don't think he was doing SEO, but they did pick his stuff up. So, but you can be then use SEO if you want to do that more as a long term venture. What are those areas we want to be known for? And let's let's give a little bit of uh, uh, be a little bit SEO friendly around those reputational issues, right. for well, example. So actually, that's where PR is probably going to differ a little bit. That leads to what I, the last thing we really have time to talk about was you know owned media. How, remind listeners how owned media can actually lead to editorial exposure. You started to touch on it there with your friend who's the financial attorney publishing a blog post that then gets picked up. Well, that was that was right with with him. It certainly did get picked up. In fact, I thinking back now, I think that was more LinkedIn than SEO. Um, I'd give an example in the in the book about um, uh, a guy called Greg Savage who runs a, a terrific name blog called The Savage Truth, and he's a brilliant blogger. And uh, one of his articles got picked up two years later uh, uh, by Huffington Post. Uh, correct me if I'm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it went absolutely nuts and got you know hundreds of thousands of views and he got interview opportunities all over the place and and that's just a one off there. Uh, another example is a, a doctor in Australia who wrote, has her own blog, wrote an article, and it was around a, t- a controversial issue at the time in Australia, and that got picked up by the mainstream media, um, and they they re re um, published it the story, and um, they 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 took it you know that went into radio and other blogs covered it. And so what was originally on her uh, blog ended up being amplified around the place because the media picked up on that story and ran with it. So, I mean, that can work at an industry level, but sometimes you might have to pitch. You might be able to attract them, which I guess is an inbound, but there might also be times when I've got this good story, I want to pitch it out, uh, and then you tell you know, the trade journal that covers your industry. Uh, I've just written this blog. Do you want to syndicate it? Right. Well, and it may seem like a subtle difference to some, but just start with the blog, back to the blog, back to your own media. You, It's really interesting when some article that I've written gets picked up by the media or like even for a client where we're publishing information on their blog. And next thing we know, the television stations start calling. <laughs> it doesn't always happen, but do that, do it in that order. And uh, it happens for, you know, it happens for these big and but small don't you, companies. Don't you think, yeah, don't you think, Douglas, that the whole thing of blogging, though, is a mindset? Again, you've got to want to share. You, could, yes. you either want to connect with your audience You're and share, right. or you don't. There is no yeah. halfway, and you either do it properly or you don't. So by putting that blog out, and I mean, I've gone through that. I started a blog in 2007. Now, I was known in my industry, but I wasn't known in broader business circles. But the moment I started blogging and getting on social media, then the media came to me, and then all of a sudden I'm on TV and radio and 
print and everything. It's the same thing. Because, but it's not one thing. It's it's a mindset that leads to success now. Whereas I think that people, I don't know. I just I still see people who or companies where they're thinking, well, no, let's let's pitch it to the media. No, of course you can pitch it to the media, but don't wait for them. Put it on your blog, and and go from there. So I don't know. That's why some may may not quite understand that. But you're, it's true. What we're masking here is that there's a an attitude of wanting to share, inform, and educate, or or maybe entertain. So. Trevor Young, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? I think that there's just just that there's more than one way to do content marketing. Um, again, I, I mentioned earlier there are truisms across everything, but looking at content through a different lens might be right for your business. Don't just necessarily look for the, the cookie cutter approach, uh, but you know, ask yourself, can content play a bigger game, help us play a much bigger game than what we're playing now as a brand? Absolutely. And so just looking at content, looking at content in a, in a different way. Yes. And this is uh, one of those books that I, I spoke to my local Public Relations Society of America recently. Uh, they wanted me to do a talk about podcasting. And so they allowed me in. But uh, <laughs> and, and I still and tried. And they allowed you out as well. And they let me out as well. That's right. No, they were very, very nice. But this is one of the books that uh, the folks need to read. So, in other words, this book, if you don't mind me saying so, it needs to go with uh, Spin, Spot, Spin Sucks by Jenny Dietrich. It needs to go with Crisis Ready. Terrific book. Terrific. Yeah, by Agnes, uh, Melissa Agnes. And uh, so those, those three, I think, would be, you know, it's like when I meet some of these PR folks, uh, I you know, I just get the sense sometime that they're still living in the world of keeping a, a Rolodex, and I mean a real Rolodex, with it has the business card stapled to it, yeah, and uh, doing uh, press releases, and it's just oh, it's, it's changed. And I can remember years ago, some years ago, I met with a friend or an acquaintance with another friend, and. He had just been fired from his PR job, and all he could talk about was, well, I've got all these contacts at the media. And I just remember thinking, oh, who's still there? And you know, there's, there's so much more that you as a PR person should be doing rather than thinking you know who these media contacts are. And uh, that leads to a whole other uh, story. So what is one thing a listener could do today to put in action one of the ideas from your book? I think – if, if you're wanting to differentiate your brand a little bit, I think start looking at the leadership content side of things and how can we, yes, understand our audience, but how can we use content to play a bigger game? As, an, as, a, as a brand, are you, have you, even at a community level, are you, doing, are you supporting some issue or some community group or you're sponsoring something or, you know, you want to you want to be involved in a bigger conversation. What is that conversation? Why don't you start, it doesn't matter, just start on your socials. Social media is all about the content. Once you start talking content, you talk social media. Um, so maybe it's just, you know, we're going to use LinkedIn to, to put out some heavier content that's around, you know, bigger picture themes to do with our industry, for example, if that's right for you. Or if we are supporting a, a local uh, issue, we may have done one tweet, or maybe we we do a little bit of an interview with with the organisation, and we take people behind the scenes, and we use our channels to promote someone else that's relevant to us. Great. And so, just taking that next layer up, and and just thinking a little bit broader with your with your content around a leadership positioning. Hmm. So, Trevor, what books have most inspired your working career? Um. You mentioned his name earlier, David Meerman Scott. Um, uh, the New Rules of Marketing and PR. I've still got the original one. It came out in about 2007. Yes, the year and, you started um, all your – that's the year you started your blog, right? Yeah, it was very important. And, and he was a guy that was sort of – I'd been sort of studying this area and, wow, this is what I'm thinking. This is fantastic. So, you know, we're, we've uh, had a relationship going back those many years with David. But uh, he's just um, uh, he's just put out, I think, the seventh edition of that. And that's obviously it's a very different book today than what it was uh, back in 2007. Yes, Remember Second it, Life. <laughs> it's it's. Uh, I just interviewed him about the seventh edition, and that's one of that's one of the two books that have had the biggest impact mm. on my career. 
Yeah, it's it's a good book because it's 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 not hysterical. It's it's very matter of fact, and it, it puts the audience first. But it's it's you know it's all the things that I talk about. He uh, he's been covering as well, and, and that's why I love reading his stuff and his blog. Um, the other one is the Clue Train Manifesto, oh, which yeah. goes back to nineteen ninety two thousand. The book was released. I think they did the ninety five. I think theses. I think a theses is just oh, okay. one line, basically one line theme and they published that i think in 1999 and the book came out in 2000 and of course this is before social media mm-hmm. and and the things they were saying you know when we talked before about um about um media and stuff like that one that's burned in me uh, one of their theses is we the people want you the organization to take us more seriously uh than that one reporter with the wall street journal and that that's just burned in me. And I think that's it. Does it mean you don't take the journalists seriously? Of course not. That's part of what you do. But also take the people seriously and communicate with them directly. And that's still the biggest opportunity. And these guys saw this back in 2000, 1999. I mean, just amazing, it's, amazing. It's, it's the, such the a good book. And I think absolutely. And, and marketers should read that now because it's as fresh today uh, in fact, I'm going to go back and reread it. I reckon I I I I got it out again last year, but uh, it, I reckon it's as fresh today and as relevant and and thought provoking. It's subversive. It's a subversive work. Mm-hmm. A landmark book. So, are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading? Yeah, I'm I'm reading one. At, when I say reading, I'm listening to this one. Um, a book called The Passion Economy by Adam Davidson and the sub. Uh, the subtitle is The New Rules for Thriving in 21st Century. So, obviously, if you've got new rules in the title, I'm going to buy it. But oh, uh, yeah. Um, he's, he's talking – I think Adam's with NPR, Planet Money, potentially, um, behind that. He's, he's a great storyteller. And, and if you love – he's getting his point across through brilliant stories, really interesting stories. But it's more about, you know – moving away from mass market commoditization and channeling our passions, hence the, the title of the passion economy, um, channeling our passions and interests into more smaller specialty products and services uh, for niche products, uh, sorry, for niche markets. Um, and Interesting. I, I was not aware of that book. Online. I appreciate you Yeah, it's just that. it's just out. So I haven't completely, I'm just, I'm just into it, but I'm really loving his style and, you know, the NPR style, that more narrative uh, it's and he's reading it, so it's it's really good. It's uh, it, I haven't I haven't got into it completely oh. yet, but it's it's got my attention really quickly. Well, good. Well, at marketingbookpodcast.com, we'll include links to your sites and uh, your social media and your LinkedIn profile and all of the books that you've mentioned. Everything is linkable. We'll put there so listeners can uh, find out more. And hopefully, I hope they'll connect with you and thank you for joining us uh, on the show. And for you, dear listener, if you are listening on your smartphone and you've subscribed to the Marketing Book Podcast on your favorite podcast app. All these links can be found by going to this episode and clicking on the show notes link. The name of the book is Content Marketing for PR, How to Build Brand Visibility, Influence, and Trust in Today's Social Age. The author is Trevor Young. Trevor, thank you very much for joining us on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Douglas. And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you found it helpful. If you are one of the hundreds of listeners who have left an iTunes review, I really appreciate it and would like to return your kind favor by mailing you a thank you note and include a Marketing Book Podcast bookmark and laptop sticker. Just message me on LinkedIn, your mailing address, anywhere in the world, and I'll drop it in the mail. And if you'd like to record a question that could be played and answered on a future episode, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.